0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There is a banner that flies over the people of God, and it reads, Freedom. Those words again from St. Paul in our reading. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. From the law of sin and death christ our king has claimed us for his kingdom when it speaks this way when it says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus this is what it means to be in christ it means to be in his realm under his reign and rule as he is our king yeah, it's just like it says in the small catechism in the second article of the apostles creed Luther explains that Jesus has done this. He has redeemed us. Why? In order that we might be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. That's what it means for you and me to be in Christ. And this morning, I want us to unfold that. As we go through this reading from Romans, I encourage you to keep your worship folder handy or to grab your own Bible as we'll be going in greater depth into this reading from Romans chapter 8. Because here, Paul, he, he gets into the, the wonder and the beauty of what it means for you and me to be freed in Christ. We see that it has consequences both past, present, and future as that banner of God's kingdom waves over you and me, reminding us that we are freed people through the blood of our Lord Jesus. So let's walk through this text and see all of the ways that this liberating love of our Lord has been applied to us. So first, let's turn to verses three and four of the text to read it once more. Here in this first movement of the text, St. Paul unpacks how Christ, through his death and his resurrection, has freed you and me from sin's penalty, from the penalty of sin. Usually in theological language, we, we speak of this as our justification. That is, that we have been justified by Christ, declared not guilty, and set free through the blood of Christ so that we no longer bear the guilt and the condemnation of our sin what it justly deserves. But now because of Jesus, you and I have been set free from that righteous penalty of our sin. Martin Luther had a beautiful way of speaking about this. He called it the the blessed exchange or the happy exchange. And the idea is that through Christ's work on the cross and through his resurrection, he has taken away your sin and he has given you in its place his righteousness. It's not a fair trade, right? But it is a gracious, loving trade affected by our God. It's as though we come to our Lord with all of our own filthy rags of our sin, of our unrighteousness. And he takes those. And in his place, he gives to us the pure, spotless garments of his righteousness. Now you and I are clothed in him, freed from the penalty of sin. And that language of clothing gets at the way that this is applied to you and me. It was applied to you in holy baptism. In your baptism, Christ washed you through the power of the Holy Spirit, washed you of all of your sin, washed you of all of your unrighteousness, all of the things that incur that guilt and that penalty of sin. Now, through his blood applied to you in holy baptism, now it is all washed away. You have been made pure, spotless. And clean in the eyes of your King Jesus. And not only that, but now the King has enlisted you into his reign and rule. You are in Christ. You are under him, in his realm. And so Paul continues when he says, The upshot of this justification is that that now the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in you and me. By God's Spirit, working and operating in us. And this is important, see. It's not that now you have been justified from sin to go back and live in sin. No, you have been freed from sin's penalty in order that now you might live a new life. I mean, imagine if someone were to be freed from jail and we were to say, Okay, you have been freed. You, the penalty is no longer upon you, so just continue in your thieving, you know, law-breaking ways. No! Now the lawbreaker who has been set free from prison goes out and strives To live a faithful, righteous life, caring for the neighbor in need. How much more for you and me, who have been set free from sin's penalty by the blood of Christ. Now you live in Christ, under his reign and rule, in his realm. This is the first gift of the freedom that Christ has, has won for you and me. As we live under this banner of our Lord, we are free from sin's penalty. But that's not all. And Paul continues verses 5 through 8. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please So, that first part of Christ's freedom, as he sets us free from sin's penalty, that past action. But here Paul draws our attention to a a present gift that now Christ, even now through his Spirit, is setting you free from sin's power. Now, in theological language, we call this sanctification our continued growth in holiness. Sin no longer holds its clutches on you and me. Now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to walk in accordance with God's ways. To demonstrate this, Paul sets out a a contrast. He says, uh, on the one hand, there's those who walk in the ways of the flesh, who set their mind on the things of the flesh. I want to clear up a misconception here. He's not talking about when he says flesh, he doesn't mean the body per se. It's not as though living in the body were somehow wrong or sinful in itself. Indeed, as we'll see in a moment, it's God's ultimate aim is the resurrection of your flesh, of your body. So when Paul speaks of the flesh, he means more our sinful nature. He's talking about insofar as our mind is set on worldly matters alone. The mind that is set on worldly manners, the one who is walking according to the flesh, that can only lead in death, eternal death. But on the flip side, Paul says, there is the one who is walking according to the Spirit. Now, the one who is walking according to the Spirit sets his mind, sets his heart on the things of the Spirit. And here, we could think of all different uh, other verses in the New Testament that speak of this. For example, Colossians 3 says that our life is hidden with Christ in God, and therefore our eyes are set on things above. Or you think of the line from our Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those other things will be added to you besides. That's what it means for you and me to live according to the Spirit, to walk according to the Spirit. It's that our mind, our eyes, our heart are set on the fruits of the Spirit, uh, set on the, the reign and rule of God. And I want to draw your attention to something here. In this section of the passage, and really all throughout this section, Paul uses no imperatives. He gives no commands here. It's all descriptive. And the significance of that is, he's saying, look, this is who you are. As those who are filled with the Spirit of God. As those who have been freed through Christ's shed blood and his resurrection. Now you have been redeemed already. You live according to the Spirit. Insofar as we continue to lapse into those ways of sin. We, we still carry that sinful nature around our necks. Insofar as we do that, it's like we're trading sides. It's like we're, we're com- committing treason, serving the other kingdom. Friends, that's not who you are any longer. You have been set free in Christ Jesus. Now you walk according to his spirit because you are being freed from sin's power as well as sin's penalty. So we have that that past gift, that past redemption, liberation that we call justification as you've been set free from sin's penalty. And now in the present, even now, through the power of the spirit, Christ is freeing you from sin's power as you walk in the Spirit. But there's also this future dimension as well. And this is what Paul unfolds in verses 9 through 11. Let's read it once more. He says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Here, Paul points to how Christ has freed you and will free you from sin's peril, from the peril of death. See, already through his work on the cross and through his resurrection, Christ has ransomed and redeemed you from the jaws of death. He has delivered you from that eternal hopelessness and despair that the grave brings for those who do not know our Lord Jesus, do not know the victory that he has, but he has given that victory to you and to me. All who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, who have shared his death, shall certainly share his life. Paul told us earlier in Romans, in Romans chapter 6. Now Christ has set you free from the peril of sin, because you know that everlasting life awaits you. But even still, Satan, he wants to, to keep us in slavery to the fear of death. He's that jail warden who keeps going back and forth, keeping you and me under under his thumb insofar as we continue to live in fear of bodily death. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to keep us in that place. And you are seeing it all over in our society right now as people are lapsing into a spirit of fear. They're living in slavery to the fear of death. But that's not you. You have been liberated by Christ's victory over death. See, Jesus is the one who jangles the keys to death and Hades. Satan may try to keep people in slavery to the fear of death, but all the while... We need not live there. We don't have to live in that jail any longer because Christ has set you free from sin's peril. He's the one who holds the keys. He already has opened those gates as he burst through that tomb, as he came through the door of death and opened it wide for you and me to walk right through. We don't have to live in fear to it any longer. Yes, this body is going to die. It might be from coronavirus. It might be from cancer. It might be from a car accident. Whatever it might be, you and I will die but we don't have to live in fear to that we will not be enslaved to fear because instead we have been liberated by the love of our Lord who has the victory all over already over death and the grave and he has given you and me this pledge this down payment Paul says with the Holy Spirit that dwells in you the Holy Spirit is like a foretaste of the full new life that we will receive when this body that gets laid in the grave is one day raised from the dead. Death will not be the end for any of us because Christ has laid claim to your mortal body and the spirit who dwells in you now will at the last raise you from the dead and renew you inward and outwardly, making you fully So friends, we have this liberation by Christ, the banner that flies over us. Jesus has set you free already from sin's penalty. He is setting you free even now from sin's power and he will yet set you free from sin's peril. He has the victory. So how will we live? How will we use that freedom? I can't help but think of that unforgettable scene From the movie Braveheart. You remember it. As William Wallace rides in, striding atop his horse. And he he finds the Scottish army. And they're about to to face the English army, which is much larger, which has a greater cavalry, which has greater weapons. And they're, they're starting to think that maybe they need to retreat. They need to run away. Fear is starting to rule in their hearts. And he says to them, he says, will you fight? And they say, no. We'll run and we'll live. And William Wallace says to them, Aye, you'll live for a little while. But then one day, when death comes to you, as it comes to all, would you trade even one day from this moment until then for the opportunity to live not in slavery to fear, But instead to tell the English, they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. Listen, friends, right now we face down fearsome foes. Death continues to bear its fearsome jaws. Sin keeps chasing after us and Satan keeps telling us, no, we need to live in slavery to the fear of death. Will you run? Or will you stare it down in the power of Christ? And through the the grace of his Holy Spirit who dwells in you, I tell you, friends, already you have been set free. You have been set free from sin's penalty. Christ has justified you through his blood. There is now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus, in his realm, under his reign and rule. He is setting you free from sin's power as you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. As as the, the, the bonds of sin are being broken through his spirit. And God is bringing forth in you and through you fruit that will last. He has set you free from sin's peril as now you no longer longer need to live in slavery to the fear of death because you know that even though you go down into the grave it does not have the last word how will you use that freedom that he has given to you because that is the banner that waves over you now and forever freedom in christ and nothing and no one can ever take that away not now Not ever, because there is no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. That's you, friends. Stand fast. Be bold. Trust in your Lord who has the victory for you. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.